Casey, how you doing today, man? I'm I'm, I'm good. Zach. Zach. Yeah. Yeah, man. What's up? Zach. What's up, bro? What are you What are you doing? What do you think I'm doing, man? Hey, how many Zach. feet of distance do we have to have between us? Six. What we got? Five ten. Five eleven. Dude, we got six feet, my dude. Nice, nice. Oh, six golly. feet. Now the government Am will I... condone our podcast. Maybe we'll get a grant. Uh, dude, that really hurt my finger. I. You're on Yikes. your own. We're six feet apart. I can't yeah. touch you. Can you I take can... my mask off? Yeah, I guess so. Why aren't you wearing a mask? I was earlier, but I've taken it off for the podcast because I didn't wait. want to sound like. So you took. Hey, tell me, tell me, tell me. So wait a minute. So you took the mask off the only part of the day where you're interacting with other people. Exactly. What? Exactly. <laughs> What's the point of the mask? You know what? I'm not even. I'm not even going to get into it. I don't want to cover this beautiful face, man. The people want to see. Also, this. backwards cap. Two weeks in a row. Casey, a, you're living your best quarantine life right now. I, dude, I like the quarantine dress up. It ain't yeah. bad. It ain't yeah. bad. It ain't not, bad. Dude, Zach, have, I just want to tell pudding. you something. Dude, tell me something right now. I miss you. I miss you too, man. This is the only time we see each other during the week. <laughs> it's it's it, kind of sad. We're I'm a very relational person, and Zach is as well, and I haven't got to see him. He hasn't gotten to see me, and you know what? I miss all you guys, like, bad. Yeah. And uh, I can't talk about a lot because the dad tears will start coming, and um, that will be bad for the podcast because I might not be able to regroup to finish this thing. But I miss you guys a lot. Love you. Had some good conversations with some of you through telephone. And, hey, give me a ring. We'll see what's up. And uh, we can just talk about our quarantine life. I'm trying to live my best quarantine life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Laid back, relaxed, reading a good bit. Um, probably watching way too much TV. Yeah, probably way too much. Probably as Americans, we were watching way too much TV before this. So we're probably watching way, way too much TV now. Way, so, way. That's two ways. Yeah, that's two ways. But Casey and I, we both miss you guys. Just want to let you know. Stop talking about it, man. It's Dude. making this depressing. But you already said you miss him. I want to say that I miss him too. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Make it more personal. Yeah, definitely. We miss you guys. Just want to let you know, hey. This too soon shall pass. It will. At some it point. Will. Right, Casey? It will. We don't have a timeline. No. But at some point it will pass. It will pass. Yeah. But for Hopefully now, sooner than later. For now, this is the best we got. It is. But hey, it's mm. amazing that the Lord gives us this and allows us to still... Praise God for modern technology. It. Praise God for modern technology and tape measures. Bro, I'm bleeding a little bit. Are for, you really? Yeah. It came back really hard. And I don't... I've never... I usually don't undo a tape measure like that and just came back and snapped my finger. I'm sorry for your loss. It's a well. It's the finger's not gone. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you ready to get into it today? Yeah, Revelation ten. That's where we're at. Okay, Revelation ten. Um, so we've been last week. We were talking about the trumpets. <laughs> My trumpet was definitely better. Oh, comment. Hey, vote one for Casey's trumpet. Vote two. Vote two for Zach's trumpet. Anyway, last week we were talking about uh, the trumpets and the seven trumpets, uh, but we stopped on the sixth, correct? Didn't we stop on the sixth inter- interlude in between? We did. There's an, another pause, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily in heaven, but there is a pause between the sixth and seventh trumpet. Um because uh, God wants to, again, reinforce and rearticulate mm-hmm. himself in the area or the idea or the biblical mm-hmm. concept of repentance. Yeah. And so in Revelation 7, there was a delay until the Christian community was ordered and secure. And now there's another delay until the Christian community is prepared to witness 
what is about to take place and bear witness to what has taken place, what God has done in their life. And so we find ourselves at that pause with Revelation chapter 10. Probably in your Bible it says the angel and the little scroll is probably what it says. And so that's kind of where we're at. Are you going to explain why it's the little scroll? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's actually uh, not that big of a deal. I mean, okay. it's significant, but yeah, yeah. Um, Revelation 5, just imagine that mm-hmm. book, if you will, as the big scroll, the one that is unable to be open, and then Christ opens it. Uh, and so yeah. this little scroll is basically not that dumbed down or anything. It's just a portion of that. Does that make sense? It's like... In Mario Kart, when you strike everybody with lightning and they get smaller? Correct. They're not <laughs> not themselves, but... That was a live, just taking a shot at an illustration. <laughs> it didn't apply. Maybe we should throw that part out. Uh, I, I thought it worked. It, it's Maybe it not, worked. You're still your, it's still the gospel, but it is, and we'll see here in a little bit, it's still the gospel. It's still what God is doing and who he is. It's just a smaller portion. So it did apply. Hey. Yes. Shout you out to good. Mario Kart for Mario giving Kart. us illustrations. This podcast is looking for a sponsorship. We would Dude. love Nintendo to pick us LaCroix up. LaCroix actually intentionally reached out and said Did, no, which uh, was surprising that they took why? the time to send us an email. Why? We're two good-looking guys doing a great podcast. Yeah. We didn't... We publicly pronounced that we didn't know one of their flavors even exist, or I did. Anyway, guys, hey, as each week... Pull out your Bible. We encourage you to take notes, follow along. We actually are going to read the text this week. Again, we're in Revelation 10. So if you don't have your Bible near or your phone near, give this video a pause. Well, if you're watching the video, it's probably on your phone. So you got to get your actual physical Bible to follow along with us. Revelation 10, NIV. Our first section uh, is going to be verses 1 through 7. So we're going to break that down. So again, get your Bible out, take notes. We encourage that. Revelation 10, starting in verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, But I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it and the sea and all that is in it and said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Okay, there's a lot in there. There is. Casey, explain to us, man. All right, here we go. And so you have the angel uh, that you see here is... Most scholars think the same angel that was in Revelation 5, he's big, he's strong. It's not like the one that you see in Valentine's Day, the little little cherub, little cute, like baby, like, you know, angels with their little harps and stuff like that. This angel is significantly different. That's Cupid. That one. Yeah. Just go on, go on, go and, on. And it's not that one, though, Zach. It's not, it's not that one. Cupid's not an angel. Just go. Just it, Anyway, it, I shouldn't have interrupted you. It's People act like they're angels. Yes. This... Let's just establish the point of me interrupting there was to say describe to agree your with vision you, of an angel. 
whoa, this could get describe my vision of an angel. Yeah. Those su- okay, you remember those sun- remember those Sunday school paintings okay. that like people would plaster up on the wall and it would be they would be dressed in white and it would just it would honestly just be a regular white dude who was dressed in a white robe. Okay. So a regular a regular white guy dressed in a white robe is how I would envision an angel. Wings because, or no wings? Uh Pre, yeah, in the 90s, they definitely drew him with wings. So yeah. this guy is like that. Don't know if he's white or not, but he's ripped because mm-hmm. Strong is definitely very pronounced here. And he is able to basically hold this book in his hand with authority. He's obviously um, a big guy, if yeah. you want to take it literally, one foot on the land and one hand in the heaven. Yeah. Really what that means is that it's complete, that he has complete authority over heaven and earth, and it's been given to him by God. And uh, so that's kind of where we're at. And he has this little book, and again, little book, not big book, and he has got it open already. If you look at the text, it's open Mm -hmm. already, and he's ready to give it to John. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And uh, a question that I had right when I was reading that, He's described as a mighty angel coming down from heaven, robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head, face like the sun, legs were fiery pillars. Um, uh, then with a shout like the roar of a of a lion, you see that later on. Like it's uh, what is what's the distinct what's the distinction between hey this is definitely a mighty angel versus this is describing Jesus. I mean he's described in a mighty way. Like some like I feel like if you're reading this, you could get that. In interpretation, because because God is described as sure. a as a roaring lion. So, sure. So do some like have some people thought that before? Some people I, have thought that, but yeah. most scholars link to when it says, "I saw another mighty angel." That it would have John would have said, "I see the lamb," or "I see the lion," or "I see Christ," yeah. or "I see uh, Jesus," or something like that. The fact that he says another angel um, is basically him saying it's an angel. It's not Christ doing this. And if you look at the text when he uh, when the angel roars and the, there's an answer and it's yeah. the thunder, the sounds of thunder, the seven thunders, which would be the idea of a complete answer, mm-hmm. then most scholars think that that is God answering back. And then John's oh, going to write okay. down what God says. And so if Christ is the angel and then God answers Christ, it kind of yeah. makes it a little bit more awkward, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does yeah, that yeah. make sense? And gotcha. so most scholars think that the seven thunders, because of Psalms 29 that they get that from, that most scholars think that God responds with the seven thunders, just like he responded to the prayers, you remember yeah. a few mm-hmm. chapters back, yeah. that that's Revelation his normal seven. way of responding, it, that God sounds like thunder, that it's yeah. that powerful, that majestic, that ominous. Okay. So it is an, it's not Christ. It's an, it's, it's an angel for, that's, that's doing it. For, most yeah. people think. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 I just wanted to clear that up. That was a yeah, question that definitely. popped in my head. Not a problem. Not a problem. And so he says to him, um, you know, here is this uh, this this writing. He's going to write this down. John begins to write this down, and he's told to stop. And if you if you look at the text, he's told to stop because it is um, it's not time for us for you and I to know what the thunders have said, what God has said at that point. There's a delay, and you say, well, Casey, has God ever t- said in Scripture, mm-hmm. hey, don't tell people this? Yeah, he has. Yeah. And each time, it's not because God wants it to be secret or Christ wants it to be secret. It is because it's not time mm-hmm. for us to know. What is interesting is he says it's not time for them to know, and then at the end of this text, what does the angel say? He said, now's the time. There's no more delay. Yes. 
which is really interesting. And I think that you you have kind of this idea of wait, wait, wait. Okay, here it comes. Here it mm-hmm. comes. Now is the time. And that's yeah. a Second Corinthians. Uh, kind of reference there. Today is the day of salvation. Yeah. Remember that when Paul says that? Uh, and so it's kind of a throwback to that. It's kind of a nod mm-hmm. to that. And I think for, for us, where we are today, yeah. no one, none of us, did you ever think that we would be doing this, bro? No. Like Corona, six feet apart, bandanas, masks, no. gloves, you know. Two years ago, I had no idea that I'd be living in <laughs> Ruston, much less sitting in a podcast studio in Ruston. Toilet paper wishful or toilet paper having? Well, both. I I still, we need more. Do you? So we're wishful. Yeah, probably. Do you have the confidence in your toilet paper stockpile to eat a burrito? No. Eat Mexican. That's a good question. That, uh, let us know what your stockpile looks like. Do you have enough to wager... See, Mexican food. See, words like that. Or is, Thai food. Words like that is super dangerous, Casey, because it seems like we're encouraging people to stockpile. No, no, no. I'm paper. just saying, do you currently possess it? Well, you call you called it their stockpile, which do, the, they're, they're specifically saying don't stockpile toilet paper. Do you have enough in your home to chance eating Mexicans at? Man. Last topic, then we're getting back <laughs> to our text. How about the shame culture? In today's society, you have too much toilet paper. You're shamed. Yeah. You wear an N95 mask out. You're shamed because yeah. they're for our health officials, which I, I totally get that, by the way. Definitely. But you're shamed for if you get within six feet of a person, hence the tape measure before this. Man, you're getting shamed for just a lot of things these days, which could be could be right. But shame culture is at an all-time high. I think you can get arrested if you cough on people and have the virus. I thought I heard that. Yeah. Shame. That, shame culture. Shame culture. I think now is the time where For if we just want to make up a reason to shame other people, we we can do it. Is what, that is what that would I, what would you make up if you wanted like if you just want like one thing that annoys you about other people that if this was your only oh. time to start to shame them oh. and it be socially acceptable, what would it be? What's the one thing? Checking your phone all the time. Oh man, that's deep. Yeah. That is true, though. That, that's a good one. Like, I, I, you know, people are people like are you're having a conversation too. with someone and I'm guilty of this as well. But it's just a peeve of mine. You know, you're talking to someone and like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they look at their phone and they're looking at their phone and then they start texting someone and they're trying <laughs> to talk to you and text at the same time. I, I'm guilty of that sometimes myself. But, I man, that bothers me because I'm like, you, you're not even paying attention to what I'm saying. I'm a living person right here in front of you, flesh and blood. You know what? Forget the six feet. I'm going to bear hug you. Yeah. Mm. What? What were we talking about? That. All right. Oh, we sorry. need to finish was, up this section. Hey, uh, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. thanks <laughs> hey, thanks, real thanks, quick, thanks. though, back into our text. You were talking about how God has, in in certain points in Scripture, not revealed things to people including when Jesus was walking on the earth and they were asking him yeah. about the end of days. And, right. You know, he was saying that's for the father, uh, it's for the, the father, father to know. To know. Um, just speak to that really quick before you move on. Like, what is your, I mean, there's a ton of speculation on this, but what is the purpose of God not revealing certain things in a certain time? I think it's to allow us the opportunity to live in the grace that he has presented to us. And so for the person that's not a Christ follower, there's grace another day. Mm -hmm. You have another day to repent, turn from your evil ways, Mm -hmm. as the text says, and follow me. 
For the follower of Christ, it's an opportunity for witness. And that's where this text leads us. Mm. And so in the delay, there's grace for the believer and the non-believer. And so grace abounds even more. Um, One of the authors I was reading talked about procrastination. He said procrastination in our immediacy culture, procrastination is the main lie that culture that Satan tells us that we can wait one more day, that we can wait one more day. And I'm super guilty of this. Mm. Uh, My wife asked me to do something and uh, I'll, I'll say, Hey, I'll I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow until I've got like 20 things that I've got to get to in the next week. And now they seem overwhelming. They seem daunting. Um, But I think for us, it's a different type of procrastination. Mm. It is the idea that I'll follow Christ, I'll live for Christ, I'll like be in, be bought in 100% on down the line. Yeah. I think if we lived life in such a way where the only future that we knew was certain was that what which God said in his word, I think it would change the way we lived our day-to-day life. So meaning procrastination wouldn't happen if that was the case. If we only knew the future as being what God said in his word, because if God revealed certain things to us about when things would happen, uh, that would, that would take that kind of the, the mystery element out. And I think I get what you're saying as far as the procrastination thing. Cause if we, if we knew what was, what was going to happen, we wouldn't live as if today was the only day that right. God had given us. So I, maybe I just rambled on a lot of words there, but that's a really big thing I think for that that I just kind of got out if, of what you were saying there. If you notice, like the Billy Graham uh, yeah. Association, his son has been on the TV a lot mm-hmm. right around the time that the evening news has been on, yeah. and he's been making this gospel presentation, this gospel mm-hmm. plea, and I we we all get that he's doing that because people are very much focused on the end of time, the end of yeah. days. The coronavirus is here. This is something very much out of our ordinary. Yeah. Um, people are very much more focused on um, religion, on faith, mm-hmm. on their walk with Christ, and. I want to ask, why now? Hmm. Because of a virus? Yeah. There are other things that can kill you yeah. that are more likely to kill you than the coronavirus, yeah. but because society has hmm. stopped. Yeah. That's the lie is being met with the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that the truth is saying, hey, there is no more delay. The time is now. Now, today, right now is the best time to begin to follow Christ with all of your life. Hmm. Don't wait. Don't wait for something to be revealed to you that may never come. Hmm. All that we need to know of Christ is here in his word. And that's why the angel is saying today is the day of salvation, basically. Don't worry about what the seven thunders were saying. We'll get to that. It's going to come. But right now, the main focus for John and for this angel and for heaven at this point is salvation, Yeah, is repentance. Yeah, man. Just like when Jesus said, you know, cast your burdens on me today, you know, for, because we don't know what tomorrow, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. It's going to bring its own troubles of itself. He says, come to me, run to me today. And that's, that's just a really, uh, that's a good point. And we don't need to have situations like the coronavirus to realize today is the day that we should follow Jesus with our whole heart versus, you know, yeah. any other time that we, that we live. So anyway, 
off of that aside. Yeah. That brings us to verse 8, 8 through 11. So John gets the little book. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's really weird. If you read this text, you go, so the angel gives him a little book and the angel tells him it's going to be sweet to begin with, that he's going to swallow it. He's going to eat it. He's going to consume it. It's going to be sweet at the beginning and Mm -hmm. bitter at the end. You want me to read it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Verse 8 through 11, Revelation 10. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. That's a little weird. Yeah. (laughs) So the idea is that he ate the prophecy. Yeah. Okay. So he eats the prophecy and it's sweet at the beginning and bitter when he gets Mm -hmm. to his stomach. And just in some personal reflection about this, I think that for most of us is that we get God's word. Okay. We receive the gospel. Mm -hmm. And salvation at the beginning is super sweet. I think it's scary for some people, but it's sweet. It's like the God of the universe died for me, that he wants to have a relationship with me, that his son died on the cross, rose, conquered death in the grave for me, for mankind. And I can have a part in that if I choose to follow him, if I repent and follow him. Um, and, And then this idea of it being in our stomach. So when we start to internalize God's word, when we start to internalize the gospel, we realize the magnitude of it. And I think that is a little bitter to some of us and really to all of us at some points because the lordship factor of Christ begins to take full, take uh, hold of our life and the old yeah. becomes new. And that's hard. Yeah, It's bitter. It makes us bitter. Yeah. And so I think that that's where uh, John is taking us. And the, the cool thing about the little book is think about it in a witnessing context. If, Zach, if you were, if I were to ask you, Zach, tell me. How you came to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Could you sum up, or would you even try to sum up all the totality of who you believe God to be in that witnessing testimony? Oof. Be difficult. What do you mean? Yeah, it the, would be yeah, difficult. It would be difficult. Uh, yeah. The and totality. So, yeah, yeah. 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 And so that's where John's at. He's yeah. saying, we're going to have to declare this witness. He said, verse 11, then I was told you must go and prophesy again about the many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. And it is, you're going to have to give them a little bit mm. of who God is. Yeah. Because if John <laughs> tries to witness to someone and he starts off in chapter one of the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. or if he starts off in his gospel or in one of the letters, it's going to be really difficult for people yeah. to hang. Yeah. That's so I'm trying to process what we just read and what you just said. So the way John receives the scroll is kind of analogous to the way that we receive the word, mm, yeah. uh, you know, the word of God when we when we read it, especially difficult. It almost sometimes seems like it would be the reverse, though, of that. Sometimes it would be sour. But once we have a chance to internalize it, we realize how sweet it is. Do you think that in this particular context, him receiving this prophecy was his realization of the fate of those in the world that wouldn't come to Christ? Or, or what's the reason for the, what's the it reason? Do you be. Th- because, because my question is, do you think that this prophecy that he received 
and the sourness of it came as a result of realizing the judgment that was going to happen on those that don't believe or as a sourness of realizing how daunting the the call of you know receiving this prophecy actually was and reading this word is on him personally like you kind of see the difference of yeah what i'm saying like do you think it's both both i think it can be both because he knows the gospel and it has been sweet to him but when he has to preach it it's bitterness towards others yeah and so he receives this revelation and it's sweetness Mm -hmm. to him he's in a prayerful state he's called up to heaven Mm -hmm. this is him communing with god as close as a human being can get without being Mm -hmm. dead and in heaven himself and it is bitter to to him because he realizes that people that he knows mm. will not that he knows will not come to Christ yeah. and he realizes what their fate may be and what even his own fate could have been so do you think that the way John responded is an appropriate way for us to respond as we you know just as we let's just take the the pure gospel for example the fact the 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 truth that Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected to take our place, and he was the atoning sacrifice for our sin to satisfy God's wrath. Sure. That's sweet to us, but then when we internalize that, we realize there's still a wrath, and those that don't believe in this gospel that I find sweet, we realize their fate, which kind of makes it which makes it sour. So I, I'm just trying to— to I understand. think you can go back to, if you go back to, if you take verse 10, I mean, chapter 10, you go back mm-hmm. just one verse to 920. It says this, the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of their works of their hands. Mm-hmm. They did not stop worshiping demons, idols of gold, silver and bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual morality or their thefts. So two two phases of a response that we should have. We receive the word and it should be sweet to us. If it's not sweet to us, I mean that, that should say something right true. there. There should say that, that indicates something wrong. And our John was a true disciple of Christ. He received the word and it was like honey as he, as he took it in. Correct. But another facet of this is we should as Christians be broken over our hearts should break over the results of the people that you just mentioned right there who still didn't repent of sin correct after all these things had had happened and today we should be broken over people that specifically people that hear the gospel and he, see warning signs and see the god revealed in nature which Romans tells us is everybody and we should be broken by the truth of what we know because if what we know is correct we know their fate we know their end and there's not necessarily anything that we can we can do to change. You know, obviously we share the gospel with people, but it. So, two things: we should receive it as sweet, but we should also, as Christians, be broken over those who don't. And I think that's something Definitely. that I miss a lot living in. I mean, honestly, living in Russell, Louisiana, living in Louisiana all my life with so many people that claim to be Christian, I think I forget to be broken over or or, or, ha- or just have my heart break for people that one don't have the knowledge of Christ and haven't trusted him and or, or not his disciple 
and just being broken over that fact and broken over sin in the world. It's the idea of how much more real do you think that this virus is for the people of New York City compared to the people of Ruston, Louisiana? Mm. In New York, yeah. definitely very in their face real. They see it. It is a it, it is pandemic like in Ruston. There's just less cars on the road. A lot of stores are closed. A few yeah. people are wearing masks. And it's kind of like Christmas that everything is closed, but people are still kind of happy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because it's yeah. it's beautiful outside. Yeah. We as followers of Christ. We have to be reminded that we are not in uh, Ruston, Louisiana, that there are people everywhere that are dying, literally, mm. or their souls are dying because they don't have a relationship with Christ. And it is up to you and to I to witness to them, yes. to tell them of the God of the Bible mm. and his plan for their life. And so my point to ponder was this, <sighs> the end is near. Are you making it clear that the end is near? Yeah. Are you living your life like the end is near, mm. like there is no more tomorrow? I, I hope that you are. I hope that you are relationally for sure, that you're spending time in God's word, but you're also spending time with his people. I know you got to keep your six feet, mm-hmm. but maybe it's called six feet witnessing. You know, you may have to shout a little bit louder, but you need to be telling people about the goodness of our God. Yeah. And a point to practice is during this Easter time, which is where we find ourselves, witness. Tell his story uh, through your life, through your words, through your deeds, definitely, but also verbally tell a family member, tell a friend. Man, create a Zoom call with someone that you know that they would love to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and impart some of that sweet honey to someone else. Mm. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, definitely. To those points. Because, man, and what you were just saying, I think the Lord's definitely use, using you to speak to students, but definitely me as well. And, you know, I really do realize you, it was a great illustration about the New York to Rusted thing because we are in a somewhat of a bubble oh, for coronavirus and for cultural Christianity. Oh, yeah. And man, I just think it's really important for us. And this isn't the only text that lets us know we should be broken over oh, no, for sure. sin in the world and how that should anger us and how that should move us to compassion. And I think uh, us in highly Christian context can lose that sometimes. And I, I have to remind myself of that. And I was reminded of when we went on Beach Reach. A few weeks ago. And that just speaks to the importance of going on short, I think short term. I know you can't right now. I know that I don't know when all this is going to break, but the importance of short term mission trips, one, to proclaim the gospel, but two, to see the brokenness that is happening in the world and experiencing that um, firsthand. You know, we, we read we read the fate of those in the word, but we know personally people that it affects and that's what moves our hearts to, to emotion. And I think, so I think that that puts another emphasis on trips like beach reach that we take people that do gin send over the summer and interact with so many broken lost people. Um, that that's, that plays such a huge role in, in us understanding that God has implanted a new desire for us to not sin and a brokenness for those that don't understand that yet. So, uh, you know, I didn't mean to add to your, those are no, obviously two great, great points, but I think that's, that's a third great thing for us to understand. Like when we're able, obviously, duh statement missions is important, 
But it's not just important for us proclaiming the gospel. It's important for us, for our eyes to be open to the sin and brokenness in the world. But Kind of a tagline for this chapter is, tell me what you know. Tell, tell me, me what, what you know. know. Just we, tell me what you know. Dude, wait, wait, wait. Dude, can we get a beat going? Tell me what you know. 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 Tell me. Oh, sorry. Did we stop? Well, we. I feel like if we had Dang. to go on, we would have had to come up with other words. Yeah, that's probably true. Dude, I'm about to drop a sick beat on GarageBand, and we're going to lay down that track. Sounds good. Sounds good. Be looking for that in the near future. Tell me what you know. Tell me what you know. Tell me what you know. We always he come to the points in the video when it's over that it starts going downhill. And that is pretty much my job is to know when to cut it off. And when to cut it off is right now, unless you want to do it one more time. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that beat one more time. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Definitely. Uh, we love doing this. We hope it's beneficial to you. Again, we love feedback. Um, so let us know what you think. Maybe some things that we could be uh, doing better. Some things that you think that you would benefit from maybe each week. But yeah, we love sure. you guys. Casey, got a final word to him out there? Love you guys. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.